Chapter 13. In some ways, the rest of that week was wonderful. Hannah, Bess, and Sadie were the only students at school. Miss Walters tailored the lessons to their needs. She had both the older girls spend time more on arithmetic, and Hannah paid special attention to history. Besides the enjoyment of school, her work at home held a little extra interest when on Tuesday evening she cooked the prairie turnips. Softened after their three-day soak, they boiled up nicely. Hannah was so eager for the taste that she burned the roof of her mouth. Papa said that they tasted like half potato and half turnip, and she agreed. More substantial than turnip, as a, not as a starchy potato. She was charmed by the addition of a new flavor to what seemed like a never-ending, never-changing menu of cornmeal and beans. That week, Miss Walters always found time during the school day for a reading session, which all of them enjoyed. On Wednesday, they spent an entire hour reading aloud to one another, with Bess and Hannah taking taking it in turns to choose pieces from the sixth reader, not the fifth. Hannah wondered why Miss Walters had made the switch. Near dismissal on Friday, the teacher finally spoke about it. Bess and Hannah, I have an idea that I'd like to put to you. Hannah, your father told me that you will need one or two more terms of school before you could graduate. In assessing your studies, I find that I disagree. I think you're nearly ready now, she smiled. Hannah shifted a little in her seat, unaccustomed to praise. Uh, thank you, miss. Bess, in my opinion, you are in a similar position, and I know that you are hoping to become a school teacher yourself. Yes, miss, Bess replied. Hannah was surprised. Of the oldest girls, Edith seemed to Hannah the most likely to become a teacher. Edith was friendly and vivacious and never seemed nervous when singled out to respond. While Bess often looked like Hannah felt, as if she were forced, as if she were forcing herself to speak, Yet although Bess's voice was quiet, she always spoke carefully and clearly. We have an unusual opportunity here, Miss Walter said. Mr. Harris has written to Washington to inquire about certain laws governing school enrollment and attendance. The families of the other students are planning to wait until he receives a response. There are only two more weeks of the term, and I doubt very much that he will hear anything before school is finished. She folded her hands together and leaned forward to look at the girls earnestly. With so few students, I have decided not to hold an exhibition. I have been thinking that we can do the end of the term another way. I believe that if the two of you work hard on your lessons I set for you, you can be prepared to take the graduation examinations on the last day. Your scores will likely not be as high as they might be if you had more time. But if you perform as I expect you to, you will complete your studies and the school board will be able to grant you diplomas. Hannah realized at once what Mrs. Wal what Miss Walters was saying. If she graduated, the townspeople would send their children to school again next term because she would no longer be there. It was a compromise, an uns unsatisfying one. Rotten egg, she thought to herself. That's solving the problem by going around it, not by facing it. Bess answered first. I'll speak to my parents, Miss. For myself, I would be glad to graduate this term. If I can get a teaching certificate and teach next term, it would be a great help to my family. I think my parents will see it that way. Very good, Bess, Miss Walter said. She turned to Hannah. Hannah waited for a few moments and took a long breath before she felt able to speak. I want to sew, she said. She looked up at Miss Walters. I don't need a teaching certificate for that. I don't even need to graduate. I want to make dresses in my father's shop. She was astonished to find herself telling Miss Walters what was essentially private business. But now that she had gotten started, she couldn't stop. He doesn't think I can do it, but I know I can. If I could graduate, maybe it will, 
I don't know, prove to him that, that I can do what I set out to do. Miss Walters nodded thoughtfully. Talk to your father about it, she said. I'm sure he'll understand. I will, miss. Hannah wasn't sure, as Miss Walters seemed to be. I'll have his answer, my answer, on Monday. When Hannah arrived home that day, she found a note from Papa asking her to come straight to the shop. The building was now fully framed and sided, and work was beginning on the interior. While Papa and Charlie Hart did the heavy carpentry work, Hannah had been following behind them, scraping and sanding. The first floor would be divided into three spaces. The front half of the building was the shop. The back half was to be partitioned to form a sizable storeroom and their kitchen parlor, with a lean-to outside the back door. The upstairs would be two bedrooms and a small sitting area. Papa was about to leave to meet the afternoon freight train. He was expecting a load of furniture and fitments from Chicago. The goods he had ordered were shipped first to Tracy in Minnesota, then came to LaForge on the railway, railroad line between Tracy and Pierre. Papa sent the orders in by mail, and it usually took around three weeks for the goods to arrive. Hannah stopped him and pulled a folded piece of paper from his pocket. What's this, he asked. The storeroom, she said. I was thinking, you're going to be in the shop most of the time, and I'm the one who'll be in and out of the storeroom. I have a few ideas to make it more sensible for me to work there. She had done a rough sketch of the space and written a list as well. It was a real room, much more than a closet. There was a countertop along two walls with drawers, cupboards, and shelves below and above. The list contained several items, like wall hooks and baskets and pasteboard boxes for more storage. Her sketch showed a nicely organized storeroom, but in Hannah's mind, it would eventually become something more, a workroom, where she could sew dresses. Papa tapped on the sketch. Cook stove here? Yes. She had drawn the cook stove in the center of the partitioned wall. The front of the stove, with the two burners in the oven, would be in the kitchen, while the rear, with its warming shelf, was in the workroom. It'll be warm, both it will warm both spaces in winter, so there won't be any need for a heater in the storeroom. That'll save on coal. Good, he said. Show this to Charlie. He handed the paper back to her and left for the depot. Hannah wanted to do a little hop skip of satisfaction. True enough, the back of the cook stove would heat the storeroom. What she hadn't mentioned was that it could also be used to heat a flat iron, a necessity for dressmaking. She talked to Mr. Hart about a few more details. Could the cupboards go all the way to the ceiling? Dusting the tops of cupboards was such a bother. And could he put a fold-out ironing board into the wall? And no cupboards or shelves under the countertop where it passed beneath the window. That would be a little desk. She'd have a chair there for sitting and sewing where the light was best. It wasn't until Sunday night that the subject of the school arose, and Papa was one, the one who brought it up. They were sitting in the kitchen after supper. There was no place to sit in the parlor anymore. It was so full of store goods. Papa was reading the newspaper while Hannah bent over her arithmetic book. Heard that you and the Harris girls are the only ones in school now, he said. She looked up in surprise. She had not talked to him about Miss Walter's proposal. As long as I'm attending school, she thought to herself, it's all the same to him. I don't want to give him a chance to say I should stop going. Yes, Papa, she replied carefully. Miss Walters is preparing Bess and me for diploma ex examinations at the end of next week. So if you pass, you'll be finished? Yes. Silence. She was about to return to her studies when he spoke again. A few people have been saying I should take you out of school, he said. They say it's not fair that if you're that you're keeping all the rest from attending. She wanted to protest that it was their choice to not send their children to school, but Papa was still talking. The way I see it, you're not stopping anyone, he said. Only the government or the school board can do that. 
Hannah sat up a little straighter, heartened by his words. Has the school board said anything to you? He shook his head. Still, seems like Miss Walters has found a solution. You graduate, that's what you want, and then you're out of school. That's what those other folks want. Everybody gets what they want. She hesitated, trying to decide what to say. No, Papa, she thought to herself. I do not want to graduate, but I also, excuse me, I do want to graduate, but I also want to be able to attend school like the other students. And I want everyone else to see that it's only fair. Miss Walter's solution doesn't achieve any of that. Besides, why should people get what they want when what they want is just plain wrong? She could have spoken those words out loud, but she would have felt as if she was fighting a battle everywhere, in town, in school, at home. She needed at least one little rest from the fighting. I'll do my best to pass, Papa, she said, she said instead. And after that, she would help Papa in the shop, just as Mama had done. Papa intended for Hannah to work in the storeroom, keeping track of orders, making lists of supplies that ran short. Hannah had other plans. Mama had been Papa's seamstress first as his employee, and then after they married as his partner. Their men's tailor shop had been patronized by all kinds of people, including both Chinese and white customers. The shop had earned an excellent reputation based on two things, Papa's service and Mama's sewing. Mama had taught Hannah to sew when she was barely more than a toddler. First with a big blunt tapestry needle that she pushed in and out of a piece of wire mesh, then a slimmer needle on burlap, which had a coarse weave that helped her keep her stitches in a straight line, and finally on linen. Over the years, Hannah had learned far more than the mechanics of stitching. Fabric choice, color, design, and especially how to suit the garment to the customer. Spending nearly every waking moment in the shop, she had absorbed all those lessons. She aimed to honor Mama's legacy by becoming the Edmunds Dress Goods designer and seamstress, whose garments were so fine and well-made that every woman in town would want one. She would sew her way into the hearts of women of La Forge. Hannah spent the next two weeks alternating between studying feverishly and ordering dress goods for the shop. Papa brought her several wholesale catalogs for fabric. She paged through them much more eagerly than she did her history book. She discussed her choices with Papa several times of muslin, several types of muslin for bedsheets, undergarments, and nightclothes, a wide selection of calicos for every day, poplins, chalice, and printed lawns for summertime visiting in church dresses, only a handful of woolens. They were, they would order more of those towards the end of the summer. A wine-colored water silk, a black cashmere, a midnight blue velvet. Papa objected to the last three. Never sell those out here, he said. Those are for city folks. You might be right, Papa, she said, but remember in Los Angeles how Mama always had a bolt or two of silk on hand in case a gentleman wanted a silk shirt. She once told me that it was important to have nice things in a shop even if they're not gonna sell because they bring in customers just to look and then you end up making a sale. What mama had actually said was, sometimes beautiful things aren't for buying, they're for dreaming. Hannah did not repeat that to Papa. He would have dismissed it as cod swallop. Pick two then, he said, I'm not buying three whole bolts that might not sell. She chose the silk and the cashmere feeling victorious, but he would not yield an inch on the question of the mirror. The shop in Los Angeles had been fitted with a huge wall mirror, three feet wide and six feet tall. No other shop in Chinatown had such a magnificent mirror. It might well have been one of the biggest in the city. The mirror was a family legend. Hannah had heard the story many times. Mama had insisted on the mirror and she'd had to fight Papa to get it. 
For one thing, it had been almost unthinkably expensive. For Papa, it was Papa was convinced that it would never attract it would never arrive intact, excuse me. That was for sure because it would break during the cross-country journey from the back from back east. Against his expectations, the mirror actually arrived in one piece. As soon as it was installed, the, sh the shop seemed grander, airier, more spacious. The mirror reflected daylight from the windows and lamplight in the evenings. It immediately became the shop's centerpiece. Accustomed to peering at themselves in small handheld looking glasses or cheap, uneven saucer-sized mirrors, folks came to the shop just to see the big mirror and their own reflections, full length and in perfect clarity. Hannah had lived her whole childhood with that beautiful mirror. Now she knew she had taken it for granted. As a young girl, she had loved blowing a puff of breath at the glass. The condensation obscured her reflection. Then she would watch as the moisture dried and giggle to see her face revealed little by little. She wanted the same kind of mirror for the new shop, but Papa barely let her finish the question. No, he said with a glare. We don't need any kind of mirror, let alone one like that. We're selling dress goods, not clothes. She knew from his tone of voice that it was no use arguing with him. How had Mama convinced him? Hannah would have to figure that out somehow because she could not possibly come become a dressmaker in a shop without a mirror. On the last day of the term, she and Bess took their examinations in grammar, arithmetic, history, geography, and orthography. Miss Walters allowed them to choose the order of the tests. Hannah began with arithmetic, her least favorite, to get it out of the way. Bess did the same. They were each given an hour to write down their answers for each test except arithmetic, an hour and a quarter, and history, 45 minutes. The questions were difficult and seemed to get harder as the day went on. Hours later, Hannah answered the final question, which required her to diagram a complex compound sentence. She was so tired that her pen wobbled as she circled the words and drew the lines. You may wait if you wish, girls, Miss Walter said. I won't be long. She had been grading each exam as the girls took the next one. At first, Hannah found it distracting, wondering what mistakes she had made and how Miss Walters was make marking them. But the challenges of the test had forced her to concentrate, and she spent most of the time alone in her head. Now she stood and walked to the door. She badly needed to stretch her legs. She stepped out into the yard. It was very warm, the sun heating the air without a breeze to freshen it, as if pressing hard toward summer. She walked toward the corner of the schoolhouse to stand in the shadow cast by the wall. Was it harder than you thought it would be? Hannah turned in surprise. Bess was in the doorway. She came outside and joined Hannah in the shade. Well, I knew the arithmetic would be hard, Hannah said. It always is for me. As for the rest, she looked at Bess and shrugged. I'll start over. All of it was hard. I thought so too. Those history questions, I didn't have enough time. I know. I could only write down one or two points when there was so much more to think of that I should include. What about geography? What did you write for the principal rivers of Europe? The girls chatted for a few more minutes. Then Miss Walters came to the door and called them in. Bess smiled. Good luck to both of us, she said. Hannah smiled back. For a moment, it didn't seem to matter what she had scored on the test because maybe she had made a friend. Chapter 14. Hannah went straight to the shop for the first time she had been there in nearly two weeks. How it had changed. Before, all she had seen were the bones of the building. Now, an honest-to-goodness shop stood in front of her, and a handsome one at that. The siding had been painted a pale sage green with darker trim. 
The double doors with their center panels and brass knobs gave the fa facade an elegant look. The large window to the left of the door let in plenty of light. Hannah stepped into the spacious interior, which smelled of freshly cut wood. There were piles of curly wood shavings everywhere. She ran her hand down the counter that Mr. Hart had built along the south wall. Behind it were shelves right up to the ceiling, each shelf wide enough to hold bolts of fabric. In the corner was the door to the storeroom. More shelves lined the east and north walls. A fancy coal heater stood in the other back corner. The decorative scrolls of its nickel top shiny with the newness. She followed the sound of hammering through the, do the door behind the counter into the storeroom. Papa was nailing lath around the window. Mr. Hart was sewing, sawing a board placed across two sawhorses. The room looked very like, looked very like Hannah's sketch with countertop along two sides. Hello, Papa. Hello, Mr. Hart. They both stopped their work to greet her. She put her books down on the counter, pulled out a piece of paper and held it in front of her. Mr. Hart tilted his head and began to read aloud. This is to certify that Hannah May Edmonds has hereby completed the regular course of instruction. He stopped and glanced from her to Papa and back again. Your diploma? Papa asked. Hannah nodded. Charlie had gone back to reading. Now he looked up and whistled. Listen to this. Geography, 87. History, 84. Orthography, 100. Arithmetic, 77. Grammar, 98. Those are some mighty fine marks there. Papa walked over and took the diploma from her to read to himself. When he looked at her, he was surprised. she was surprised by the gentleness in his eyes. He cleared his throat. I was just thinking of your mama, he said softly. She'd be right proud of you. Thank you, Papa. She could only whisper, caught between a smile on her lips and a lump in her throat. Papa set the date for the grand opening, a week from Tuesday. One more week of shipments, then the weekend to make sure everything's ready. Don't care to open on a Monday, so the Tuesday it is. Yes, Papa. We'll be moving in over tomorrow. I'm counting on you to get the rented place packed up. That wouldn't be too bad, knowing that their stay in the rented house would be short. She had kept things pretty well organized for repacking. She could hardly believe that they would be living in a house of their own. Would this be the last time she would have to pack for moving? Papa was still speaking. Those parties Mama used to give? The mention of Mama caught her attention. I remember them, Hannah said. Before Mama got sick, she had hosted parties at the shop in Los Angeles two or three times a year. Those parties were among Hannah's fondest memories. She had been so young, only four or five. Still, a few of the details stood out clearly. Mama always served lemonade and other cold drink made from jujube fruits, a kind of dried Chinese date. She bought mooncakes from Chinatown's best bakery and arranged a beautiful tray of grapes and orange slices or tangerines. People ate, drank, and chatted, looked at the goods, shopped, put in orders. Customers would give Hannah sweets or pennies. Even though it was a tailor shop for men, the women were always invited. Mama and Papa had known that it was often the ladies who chose the tailor for their menfolk. The women met old friends as well as neighbors they had known, hadn't known before. The shop became a neighborhood hub and people often looked forward to the gatherings. A party would be good for an opening, Papa said, but I won't have time. You'll have to do it. Hannah's eyes widened. He wants me to take charge of a party, she thought to herself. It was a daunting thought. She had never given a party. In fact, she hadn't been to one since Mama's. 
she thought back and realized that what most was most remembered was how exciting it had been to see a group of people in one place enjoying themselves and each other. A second recollection came to mind then, serving soup to the Indian women and girls. You feed people, that's what makes a party. There was no bakery in town and fresh fruit would cost a fortune to have shipped in. But I could make a cake or some cookies, she thought. She looked at Papa. I'll need lemons for lemonade, she said. Cost too much, he objected. She thought for a moment. Ginger shrub then? Shrub was made with powdered ginger and cider vinegar stirred into cool water with a little sugar. It was a pleasant, refreshing drink that would cost a lot less than lemonade. Hmm. And you'll need to get in white flour and white sugar. He put his hands up. Anything else? She knew he was being sarcastic, but he didn't sound angry. Papa, the party was your idea. If we're not going to do it right, we ought not to do it at all. One of Mama's sayings. Write me up a list, he said. I'll get what I can. It might not be everything you need, so you'll just have to make do. 